Hey, church family, I'm so glad you can join us this morning. Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to James chapter 4. James chapter 4, verses 13 through 17 is our text today. Uh, James 4, 13 through 17. We're now in part 13 of our series, Faith in Action. Again, James chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. And today we're going to conclude the fourth chapter of James. And I don't know about you, but uh, it has been an awesome journey for me, uh, a life-changing experience for me, and hopefully it has been the same for you. Uh, so far in this chapter, in verses 1 through 6, we looked at quarrels and conflicts, uh, learning that the real issue that causes and, and also creates quarrels and conflicts in our relationships is an attitude of worldliness. It's war with God. And in verses 7 through 10, verses 7 through 10, we looked at how to overcome worldliness. And then in verses 11 through 12, 11 through 12, we looked at the critical heart and how it elevates us above others, uh, above the law, and above God. And then we concluded the message with the cure, the cure for a critical heart, and that was to examine our hearts, to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, and to exercise mercy. This now brings us to today's text. Uh, my title today, the title of the message is Deo Volente. Say that, Deo Volente. Uh, in the New Testament, some Christians, as they would write uh, letters to each other, would end their letters with the initials D-V, which stands for Deo Volente. Uh, they would even end their conversations with it as well. And they would say, you know, uh, we'll see you tomorrow, Deo Volente. We'll plan to do this or that or go here or go there, uh, Deo Volente. Uh, the Puritans who came to America in search of religious freedom were known to have used the words Deo Volente. Now, say that again. Say Deo Volente. There are two Latin words. Deo comes from the Latin root Deus, meaning God, and Volente comes from the Latin root Volens, meaning willing. So Deo Volente means God willing. Say that, God willing. In Acts chapter 18, verse 21, write that down, Acts 18, 21, Paul says to his fellow Jews, I will come back if it is the Lord's will. Did you get that? In 1 Corinthians 4.19, 1 Corinthians 4.19, he says, I will come to you very soon if the Lord is willing. If the Lord is willing. Now, now James begins this chapter by talking about war with God, and he ends the chapter with the will of God. Got it? With the will of God. I want to share three points with you from our text, but before we even get into our first point, I want you to think about your life right now. Just think about your life. Think about your plans, your dreams, your desires, your goals, your ambitions. Okay, think about those things right now. Just, just take a moment right now and think about those things right now. Okay? Now, if you're ready to get into the Word of God, the points say amen. Number one, here we go. Number one, point number one is don't presume. Don't presume. Say that, don't presume. And I have two subpoints underneath point number one. And the first subpoint is the uncertainty of life. Write that down. The uncertainty of life. Again, the uncertainty of life. And then we're going to look at verses 13 through 14a. And James writes, he says, Now listen. The New American Standard Bible says, Come now. The King James says or renders it as, Go to now. So James, is, James uses that attention-getting phrase to cause his readers to stop and examine what they're doing. So let's read the text. 
Now listen, you who say today, tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money, why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. You see, these people were displaying a confident assurance that they had control of their lives. And what they did, they marked out their course without any thought to things not going as they planned. And James, right? James says, you make your plans, you invest and make money, not even knowing. He says, not even knowing what will happen tomorrow. You really don't know what tomorrow will bring, James says. Now listen, church, tomorrow, tomorrow's circumstances are totally uncertain. I'm going to say it again. Tomorrow's circumstances are totally uncertain. It could change our plans. It could alter our course like COVID-19, right? Okay, like COVID-19. It uh, altered our course. It changed our plans. Now, I don't care how smart, how wealthy, how great of a planner we might be. The true fact is we don't know the future. I'm going to say it again. We don't know the future. So we shouldn't boast arrogantly as if we can see into the future. I want you to write this down, Proverbs 27, 1. Proverbs 27, 1 says, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. I'm going to read that again. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. Listen, friends, life is uncertain. Say that, life is uncertain. Okay, there are no guarantees about tomorrow, uh, let alone next week, next month, next year, or 10 years from now. It's uncertain. Now, if you're saved, say amen. Because life is so uncertain, and it is, right? Because life is so uncertain, we cannot afford to just spend our lives or waste our lives. We need to invest our lives in eternal things. Invest our lives in eternal things. So there's the uncertainty of life. The second sub-point is this, the certainty of death. The certainty of death. Write that down again, the certainty of death. And we're going to look at verse 14b. Verse 14b, and James says, What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. I would say that most of us expect to live to be in maybe our 70s or 80s, but no one really knows. Only God knows, right? Only God knows. And we're finite creatures. Our days are numbered. Life is short. And death is certain. And we're here only for a brief fleeting moment in time. Right? Someone said this. You could be healthy, young, and strong this morning, but you could easily be a corpse by sundown. That's so true. Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 2a. He says, there's a time to be born and a time what? To die. A time, right? To die. Friends, death is unpredictable. Death is unpredictable. We don't know when it's going to happen, but it's going to happen. Also, death is universal. We're all going to die someday. It's universal. We're all going to die someday. And death is inescapable. It's inescapable. Listen, death is no respecter of persons. The mortality rate is 100%. One out of one, this is now one out of one people die. Now write these scriptures down. Genesis 3.19. Genesis 3.19 says, By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. Hebrews 9.27. Hebrews 9.27. It's accounted for man for woman to die once, to die once, 
then comes judgment. Job, Job 7, 9, Job chapter 7, verse 9, as a cloud vanishes and is gone, so one who goes down to the grave does not return. Psalm 102, verse 3, a Psalm 102, verse 3, a says, For my days vanish like smoke. In Psalm 102, verse 11, Psalm 102, verse 11, My days are like the evening shadow. I wither away like grass. So death is a what? Reality. It's a reality. Okay, It's not probable. It, it's certain. And I want to tell you, friends, every minute, listen now, every minute 110 people die on this earth, life, our life, is but a vapor. In fact, 350,000 people have died as a result of the COVID-19 virus worldwide. 100,000 of those is from the U.S. alone. So life is but a vapor. We're here today, gone tomorrow. I want to read you a story. It's a funny story, but approaching 85 years of age, Mrs. Wells finally decided to give up her home in North Carolina and move to Miami. A real estate agent enthusiastically drove her all over Miami, praising every apartment they looked at. And this one, what a steal, he said, the investment of a lifetime. Why, in 10 years, it's going to be worth three times as much. Mrs. Wells looked at him and said, young man, at my age, I don't even buy green bananas. That's a good one. I like that. You know, in the most 28 years of being a pastor, I have done a lot of funerals, folks that I didn't know, many that I did, some family members, some brothers and sisters in Christ, some have been babies, teenagers, some my age, some older. Um, and I don't want to sound morbid, but don't presume about tomorrow. Don't presume about tomorrow. You see, the, the attitude that we Americans tend to have is, hey, let's party, let's live it up. Hey, we're going to live forever. In fact, Isaiah talks about this attitude in Isaiah 56, 12, Isaiah 56, 12, where he says, Come, each one cries, let me get wine, let us drink our fill of beer, and tomorrow will be like, tomorrow will be like today, or even far better. Listen, friends, that, that kind of attitude is foolish. That kind of attitude is, is dumb. It's dumb. Don't presume about tomorrow. Listen, we don't know what today or we don't know what tomorrow might bring. Okay, we could be here today, gone tomorrow, every single day. Listen now, every single day there are earthquakes, accidents, and heart attacks. The unexpected is, is always happening. Everybody dies. Our lives are just a vapor. In fact, David confirms this very same truth in Psalm 39, verses 4 through 6. Psalm 39, verses 4 through 6, where he writes, Show me, Lord, my life's end and the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting my life is. Did you get that? Let me know how fleeting my life is. You have made my days a mere handbreadth. The span of my years is as nothing before you. Everyone is but a breath, even those who seem secure. Surely everyone goes around like a mere phantom. In vain, they rush about, heaping up wealth without knowing whose it will finally be. Someone said this, to arrogantly make plans on the basis of the presumption of our own longevity is like planning 
It's like planning to hammer a nail into a soap bubble. Man. Okay. An old legend tells of a merchant in Baghdad who one day sent his servant to the market. And before very long, the servant came back white and trembling and in great agitation said to his master, Down in the marketplace, I was jostled by a woman in the crowd. And when I turned around, I saw it was death. It was death that jostled me. She looked at me and made a threatening gesture. Master, please lend me your horse, for I must hasten away to avoid her. I will ride to Samaria, and there I will hide, and death will not find me. The merchant lent him his horse, and the servant galloped away in great haste. Later the merchant went down to the marketplace and saw death standing in the crowd. He went over to her and asked, Why did you frighten my servant this morning? Why did you make a threatening gesture? That was not a threatening gesture, Death said. It was only a start of surprise. I was astonished to see him in Baghdad, for I have an appointment with him tonight in Samaria. Wow. And my point is this. Each of us, so to speak, has an appointment in Samaria. Now, if you're not saved, it's cause for fear. But if you're saved, it's cause for rejoicing. So there's a lesson here. What's the lesson? Here's the lesson. Life is short and temporary, so live one day at a time. Write that down. Life is short and temporary, so live one day at a time. My mom and dad sang uh, this Spanish song called Un Dia La Vez. In English, it means one day at a time. And so, friends, we need to live one day at a time because all that tomorrow does is messes up today. I want you to write this down, Matthew 6.34. Matthew 6.34. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Friends, you can only live for today, not for tomorrow or next week or next month or next year. Our days, listen now, are limited. So, so make them matter we need to make our days matter, okay? What God wants us to do is to take advantage of the present, of the now, friends. He, he has given us the gift of today, so use it. Go for it. And don't worry about tomorrow or the future. God has that under his control. Billy Graham said this, and I love it. I've read the last page of the Bible, and it's all going to turn out all right. Amen? Number two. Number two, number one is don't presume. Number two is follow God's plan. Say that, follow God's plan. Write that down again, follow God's plan. And look at verse 15, verse 15 with me. James writes, instead you ought to say, got that? Instead you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will. Again, that's what, Deo Valente, right? We will live and do this or that. I love that. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. Back in verse 13, back in verse 13, it's not, listen, it's not what they did. It's not what they did that was wrong. It's what they didn't do. It's what they didn't do. Now, I want you to follow me here. They had the when, the when, today or tomorrow. They had the where, the where, this or that city. They had the how, the how, spend a year, the what, the what, 
do business and the why. The why, what? To Why? To make money. But they forgot the who. They forgot the most important factor in their planning. They forgot God. They forgot to include God. There's not a single mention of God in verse 13. Now, I want you to follow me here. The person in verse 13 planned his purpose, his place, his progress, his profit, but he forgot the person. He forgot God. Now, listen. Making plans is not a good thing if God is left out of your plans. And James is concerned uh, that God's perspective remains in first place in the making of our plans. Now, if you're saved, say amen. If you're saved, say amen. If we develop, listen now, and attempt to carry out our plans in a way that acts as if God were not there, we are in effect, listen now, we are in effect saying that we're sovereign over our own lives. We're living our lives, making our plans without including God. What comes to mind is a rich farmer in Luke chapter 12. Write that down, Luke 12, verses 16 through 21. Luke 12, 16 through 21. And he produced a good crop. And he had no place to store the crop. And so he said this, this is what I'll do. Notice, notice he says, I'll do. This is what I'll do. I, he says, I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I, I will store my surplus grain. Verse 19, and I'll, I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. God don't play, right? But God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then you will get what you have prepared for yourself. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. Now, this man wasn't called a fool because he had made a plan. Rather, it was because he presumed to make his plans without taking God, listen now, into account. There's no mention of God, right? He didn't include God. Because if he did, I'm sure God would have told him to give some to the poor. He presumed to make his plans without taking God into account. And friends, you know what? We do the same thing. We do the same thing when we plan without beginning our plans with prayer. When we plan with too much reliance on the plan itself. When we plan with too much confidence in our own abilities to work the plan. So in our text, James is confronting those who are going around boasting about what they're going to do today or tomorrow. It's a self-confident attitude, listen now, making plans and business transactions without including God. They didn't bring God into the details of their life, which tells me they didn't trust God. They didn't trust Him. They were making plans without taking into account their own mortality and God's sovereignty. Now, let's be honest, okay? Let's, let's be straight up honest. How many of us say we love God, that we love God with all of our heart, but when it comes to our finances, to our major decisions, to relationships or education, we become practical atheists? And God is nowhere to be found in those areas of our lives. You know what's sad? 
What's sad is someone who doesn't believe that God exists. But what is sadder than that, friends, is someone who believes that God exists but acts like he doesn't. Henry Jacobson said this, It is practical atheism to be planning without taking God into consideration. If we continue to shut God out of our lives, we commit sin. That's heavy, right? Now, if you're saved, say amen. God has, listen now, God has a say in your finances, your marriage, your business, your dating relationship, your education, your career, your ministry. God has a say in those things. So question, when you're making decisions, when you're planning or setting goals, do you check in with God? Do you? Do you check in with God? You see, our plans ought to always be subjected to God's will, to God's will. Now, now let me tell you what James is not saying, okay? James is not saying to throw out your calendars, okay? James is not saying, hey, don't plan. He's not saying that. Planning is good. Planning is good, okay? It's wise to plan. It's wise to set goals for our lives. In fact, there's nothing wrong with making a legitimate profit. Got it? Nothing wrong with making a legitimate profit. Financial planning is good stewardship. The Bible encourages us to, to plan, to be good stewards of our time, our treasures, our talents, and, and our testimonies, right? Now, now in Luke 14, 28, write that down. Luke 14, chapter 14, verse 28, Jesus says, No man goes out and builds a house without first counting the cost. And Nehemiah, Nehemiah planned ahead as he, Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 2, excuse me, Nehemiah chapter 2, Nehemiah planned ahead as he sought out to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, okay? So it's wise to plan. It's wise to set goals. It's wise to have dreams, big dreams, friends, as long as we include God, as long as we understand that his plan is the best plan. Now, again, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow Okay, what tomorrow holds, but we know who holds tomorrow, and it's God. So we need to place our goals, our dreams, our desires, our ambitions, our very lives into the hands of God. Let's go back to the text. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. Now, I don't believe that James is expecting us or telling us to tack on at the end of every one of our sentences if it is the Lord's will. What, what he's doing here is giving us a mindset, say mindset, a mindset that should permeate our lives. And yes, at times we should say, if the Lord wills, okay? But if we don't say it, we should always be thinking it, thinking it. That mindset, listen now, positions us. I love that. That mindset positions us to live with a dependence on God and his sovereign will for our lives. Gil Medell always love it. When I say, Gil, we'll see you tomorrow, or we'll see you next week, and he's always, Lord willing. Gil Medell says, Lord willing. I love that. Now, let me say this. God shouldn't be a part of our lives. He should be all of our life. And if he is, friends, we will surrender ourselves to his will. Write this down, Psalm 40, verse 8. Psalm 40, verse 8. I desire to do your will, my God. I'm going to read that again. 
Psalm 40, verse 8. I desire, keyword desire, I desire to do your will, my God. Your law is within my heart. Do you desire to do God's will? Psalm 143, 10a. Psalm 143, 10, verse 10a. Teach me to do your will. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. John 4.34, John 4.34, My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. He said in John 6.38, John 6.38, For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, he says, but to do the will of him who sent me. And what about what he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane in Luke 22.42, Luke 22:42 Father if you are willing take this cup from me yet not my will be done but yours be done Proverbs 16:1 Proverbs 16:1 you got to love this right and the good news bible says it like this we make our plans but god has the last word did you get that we make our plans but god has the last word Proverbs 19:21 Proverbs 19 21. And I love this verse. Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that, listen now, that prevails. That prevails. Listen, we need to stop praying, God bless what I'm doing, and start praying, God help me do what you're blessing. God help me do what you're blessing. Hey, God is doing some awesome things, and I want to be a part of it. I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of what God is blessing. Why? Because it's His purpose. It's His plans that prevails. So, so go ahead. Go ahead and make your plans. Go ahead and set your goals. But don't forget that God has editing rights, editing rights to your plans, editing rights to your life. He has the last word. So you better listen up. Listen up and hear God. Man proposes, God disposes. Got it? A poem reads like this. I wanted to go, he said, stay. I wanted to do, he said, pray. I wanted to work, he said, wait. Love me, child, he softly said. Oh, yes, Lord, I bowed my head. I want your way. I am your son. Not my will, but thine be done. It's awesome. Now, in the intro of this message, I asked you, to think about your life, right? Your life, your plans, your goals, your desires, your, 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 uh, your dreams, your, your ambitions. So, so as you thought about that, let me ask you this question. Is God included? Is God included in every single area of your life? How often have you consulted with God before you did anything? Is it your will, your will, or is it His will? Are you following your plan? or His plan. Let me ask you this. How do your plans fit in with His? How do your plans fit in with His? Do you factor Him into your life, or do you plan like you're on your own? Are you willing, listen now, for the Lord to be willing? Question, when was the last time you prayed for God's guidance? Huh? Business owners, we have a few business owners in our church. Business owners, do you ever commit your business decisions to God? Brothers and sisters in Christ, listen now. Does your Christian life have any practical influence on how you live? Any practical influence on your decision making? 
Think about that. Now, if you're saved, say amen. We need to find the center of God's will for our lives. Follow it and begin to function in it. His will, listen now, His will is His expression of His love for us. I'm going to say it again. His will is His expression of His love for us. Now, there's a lesson here. What's the lesson? Here's a lesson. Include God in everything. Write that down. Include God in everything. Follow His plan. We need to follow God's plan. God, what do you want me to do? God, where do you want me to go? How do you want me to, to invest my money and, and my gifts and my abilities and my talents and my life, Lord? Is this the college you want me to attend? Is this the person you want me to marry? God, should I, should I move away, Lord, or should I, should I stay put? Listen, our, our whole attitude of life ought to be, it's up to God. Say that, it's up to God, okay? Whatever God wants, that's what I want. Wherever God says go, I will go, friends. I will follow him. I will follow his plan and his directives for my life. And I gotta tell you, friends, right now, that's where I'm at. I'm, I'm asking God for wisdom, Lord. Show me when it's the right time for us to reopen, cry out Christian fellowship. So just please be patient and trust that I'm seeking God through this. God, show me. Show me. And he will. He will. So let's be patient. So, number three. Here we go. Number three. Okay? Don't presume. Follow God's plan. Number two. And number three is don't procrastinate. Don't procrastinate. Write that down. Don't procrastinate. Look at verses 16 through 17. If you're still with me, say amen. Verses 16 through 17. James writes... As it is, you boast and brag. All such boasting is evil. I'm going to read that again. As it is, you boast and brag. All such boasting is evil. I want to stop there, okay? It's evil. Why is it evil? It's evil because it's the attitude. What relevance does God have in my life? It's evil because it says I can get along without God. I can make my own plans. That's why it's evil. Listen, this boasting is not only presumptuous, okay, but it's also evil. It's evil. So let's read on. Verse 17. Anyone then who knows the good, say the good, he ought to do the good. What, what good? What good is that? Well, he's talking about the good. The good of operating in the will of God. The good of including God in our plans. That's the good. Anyone then who knows the good, he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. Got it? I'm going to read that again. Anyone then who, then who knows the good he ought to do against the good of operating in the will of God, the good of including God in our plans, and doesn't do it, he says, sins. Listen, friends, sin is more than just doing what's wrong. It's also the failure to do what is right. It's a sin to fail to do what God has asked us to do. That's what we call sins of omission. Say omission, sins of omission. There are sins of commission and there are sins of omission. So I want you to follow me here. Sins of commission, sins of commission is doing things we shouldn't do. We shouldn't do. God says, don't do that. 
And we do that, that's sins of commission. Sins of omission, sins of omission is not doing the things that we should do. In other words, God says, do it, and we don't do it. That's sins of omission. Now, now we define sin, you know, I lied, I cheated, I gossiped, I cursed, I got angry, okay, et cetera, et cetera. It's all based on doing. But we can do nothing. Listen now, we can do nothing and still sin. There are some things that we ought to be doing, but we're not doing it. That's sin, sins of omission. It's known we ought to do what God has told us to do, friends. We ought to go where God has told us to go, friends. We ought to do this or that and not do it. James says it's sin. It's sin. I'm reminded of Jonah in Jonah chapter 1. God told Jonah to go to the great city of Nineveh, right? And what did Jonah do? He disobeyed God, and he went to Tarshish and down to Joppa. Hey, anytime you're going down, it's not a good thing. Got it? Right? He disobeyed God. That was sins of omission. So, so procrastination, listen now, procrastination, it's not a good thing, friends. It's, 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 it's the thief of time and the thief of opportunity. So don't put off till, listen, don't put off, don't put off till tomorrow, you know, what, what you can do. Okay, don't put off till tomorrow. Okay, figure out what you can do today, today. So question, are you more concerned, listen now, are you more concerned with fitting in with your friends than you are with walking with God? Question, are you so concerned about planning for the future that you're neglecting opportunities to serve God and love others right now, today? Question, have you put off getting serious about eternal issues until some future day. Huh? There's a lesson here. What's the lesson? Quit putting off what God has told you to do. That's the lesson. Quit putting off, write that down, quit putting off what God has told you to do. Got it? What has God told you to do? What has he told you to do, but you're not doing it? Is it to share the gospel with a co-worker? Is it to forgive someone? Is it to serve? Is it to not quit your job to stick with it? To stick it out? Is it to break off an unhealthy, unequally yoked relationship? Is it to go into the mission field? Is it to quit flirting with the world? Is it to deal with that hidden sin in your life? What has God told you to do, but you're not doing it? You know what the problem is? This is the problem. We know so much, but we're doing so little. We know so much, but we're doing so little. Are you doing what God has told you and told me, told us to do? What I want to do now at the remainder of this message is now show you how to submit our plans to God. Because that begs the question, how, how do I do this? How do I submit my plans to God? Well, I'm glad you asked. How to submit our plans to God's plan? How to submit our plans to God's plan? Four, four ways. I want you to follow me. Here we go. Is submit our plans to God's word. Submit our plans to God's word. Write that down. Submit our plans to God's word. 
The very first thing, listen now, the very first thing we should do is submit our intentions, listen now, to God's revealed will in the scriptures. And ask, and ask, does what I'm intending to do fall within the framework of God's expressed will? I'm going to say it again. Does what I'm intending to do fall within the framework of God's expressed will? And we should seek godly counsel as well from those who know God's word, who know God's word and can advise us in what God has already said about the things that we intend to do. So submit our plans to God's word. The second way is this, seek God's interests. Seek God's interests first in all our plans. Seek God's interest first in all our plans. Friends, we should invite God's involvement, listen now, God's involvement in the matter from the very start. Invite him in on the planning. You see, the truth is, we often ask God to endorse our plans, right? God endorse our plans when in fact what God wants is for us to get behind his plans. Matthew 6.33, Matthew 6.33, but seek first his kingdom, Got it? And his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. But first seek his kingdom. Seek God's interest first in all our plans. Seek first his kingdom. Friends, when we make our plans, we need to ask ourselves, will what I'm seeking to do advance the kingdom of God? I'm going to say it again. Will what I'm seeking to do advance the kingdom of God? You see, our, our, our final goal, goal should be to be able to live and provide for ourselves in such a way, listen now, in such a way that we are free to serve the kingdom of God. I'm going to say it again. Our goal, our final goal should be to be able to live and provide for ourselves in such a way that we are free to serve the kingdom of God. You see, the guiding principle should not be what we want, but rather what God would want us to want. What God would want us to want. So submit our plans to God's word. Seek God's interest first in all our plans. The third way is keep on praying. Keep on praying and keep on seeking God's wisdom. Write that down. Keep on praying and seeking God's wisdom. Friends, we got to seek his guidance and, and pray throughout all stages of the plan. Okay? So you keep on praying. You keep on seeking until he answers your prayer, until he shows you his will. 1 Thessalonians 5.17, 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray without ceasing. In other words, you, you pray without giving up on the situation until he answers you. You plan. Go ahead and plan, but you keep on praying, and you keep on praying, and keep on praying in all the stages of the plan. Submit our plans to God's word. Seek God's interest first in all our plans. Keep on praying and seeking God's wisdom. And the fourth way is trust his will for our lives. I love that. Trust his will. His will, not my will, not your will. Trust his will, his will 
for our lives. Write this down, Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord. Say that, trust. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, did you get that? In all your ways, submit to Him. It also says, acknowledge Him and He will make your paths straight. Love that. We need to humbly follow his will and acknowledge, acknowledge that he is in control. He's God. We're not. Okay? And we need to listen now, submit and acknowledge that he's in control. Listen, he has us. Hey, friends, he has us in his hands. So go ahead and, and lay out your plans to God, but trust his will. Say, God, I'm laying out my plans before you, but Lord, I'm going to trust your will in my life. I want your will for my life, Lord. These are my plans, but Lord, I want your will for my life. Lord, I'm in your hands. Friends, he has us in his hands. Jeremiah 18.6. Jeremiah 18.6 says this. As the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hands, says the Lord. Again, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, says the Lord. Adelaide A. Pollard wrote these well-known words. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Thou art the potter. I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will. While I'm waiting, yielded and still. Let's pray. Father in heaven, what a privilege and blessing it is to hear you speak to us through your amazing word. And Father, as we go about making our plans, we not forget, Lord, to include you in those plans to consult with you, to include you in everything, Lord, that we would submit our plans to your word, that we would seek your interests first, seek and pray for your wisdom and trust you, Lord, trust your will for our lives. You have the final say, Lord. It's your purpose, Father, that prevails. So have Thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. You are the potter. We are the clay. In Jesus' name I pray and I thank you. Amen. Amen. Have a wonderful week. God bless you and see you next week. Deo Volente.